The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Hey, not much. Uh, another week, but this is probably the best time of the year. NEA, NHL playoffs. Let's go. All right. Just a reminder that this is Know the Score. Know the Score is being brought to you by CSPN. You can find us on the website at www.cspn.com. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and I'm missing one. I'm missing one. Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. I think I got them all. And any other platforms that you can listen to, you know, podcasts, download, all that type of good stuff. So please download, rate, review, subscribe, share, retweet, all that good stuff. Let everybody know about us here at Know the Score. So, Dwayne, we had some NFL news. Those Patriots, they're up to their evil ways again. It's getting close to the draft, and they shot everybody by trading wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Rams. And then they acquired Jordan Matthews from the Bills. So let's look at this first from the Rams perspective, as they've been the most active team in the NFC, trying to really set themselves up for a Super Bowl or bus season. I I think I was about to say NFC championship game, but with all the moves they've made, I I think they're going to be, you know, on a lot of people's list, you know, for the Super Bowl. So what does Brandon Cooks bring to the Rams that they didn't have last year to their passing attack? Yeah, so they have a lot of speed now on the outside. I think Brandon Cooks is a faster receiver than Sammy Watkins, and and uh, he's a shifty receiver. That's somebody that Jared Goff can get down the field pretty fast and can also make a lot of um, – openings for other playmakers on the team like Cooper Cup and and um, Todd Gurley out the backfield. So this is not only a dynamic where they can um, make moves for the Super Bowl, they want to open up that new stadium in Inglewood the next season uh, with the championship celebration. So they're, they're not only looking for the Super Bowl for this year, but they're looking for opening that brand new facility in Inglewood with the Thursday night Super Bowl block party celebration that Ellis uh, hasn't seen in quite some time. Yeah. As we talked about last week, you know, um, hopefully for Sean McVay's sake injuries, you know, don't hamper the team and he can get them at their full capacity and they have some good chemistry as far as all the new additions mixing in with the players that they have returning. But this is really set up for him, like we said, to just hold on to the steering wheel and just keep the car out of the ditch, man, and just hold it in the lane because, I mean, he's going to have all the toys in the world he could ever want on offense. He's got, you know, a veteran defensive coordinator, and they went out and got him some veteran guys that he can work with that fit his system. Now this draft is just going to be, you know, probably just filling holes and, and acquiring depth. So, you know, if the Rams really do their work in the draft, they could really be set up, like you said, not only for this year, but for the next three or four years, because that stadium is going to generate so much money if they're a good football team coming in there off the break. And West Need has done a fantastic job of setting them up to have that look. You know, now if it all plays out on the field as it does on paper, then we could be looking at the juggernaut. But, you know, uh, you saying that they want to have that Super Bowl celebration to kick off their stadium, it, it, you know, definitely makes sense with how aggressive they've been this offseason. We'll get in. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and also, yeah, and I, and I think also with the with that, um, you know, it kind of loses uh, Stan Kroenke and how he's really been um, very, very uh, stingy the first couple of years, but now with the stadium opening and you're not going to get that much money from the Chargers and the stadium share uh, going all in with the spending spree, trying to get this crowd in L.A. excited for this um, possible Super Bowl run. So, all right. Now let's talk about this trade from the Patriots perspective. Uh, they acquired Jordan Matthews. They also, you know, get some more draft picks as well. 
So, I mean, they've got just a stockpile of um, picks in the first, second, and third round. So, are the uh, Patriots thinking about a master plan? And that master plan is acquiring Odell Beckham if he's really, truly out there available for trade? It's a good question. It's a high high possibility. I mean, you look at it as uh, the situation with the Giants that hasn't gone very well and – Bill Belichick and um, and the Crafts, they're no strangers to making deals with uh, Dave Gettleman. Uh, Dave Gettleman will find a deal that's best for him. And so with uh, stockpiling the picks, you got you have the two first-round picks, which is what the Giants would be looking for. And you have, you have uh, Odell Beckham, who's not really all that happy right now with the Giants management. I'm sure he wants to stay in. New York, but he would love to have a long-term deal, and with with the stubbornness of Gettleman and the demands that the Giants do want, and the Patriots stockpiling these picks, this could be part of that master plan. And also, also, I also think even if they don't go through with said master plan, they'll get enough talent that will fill in the system gaps at every other team does not have. So, you know, with the way the Patriot system is run, you can just put anybody anywhere and they'll flourish. All right. And what about the Bills? Um, you know, they made the playoffs for the first time in a long time, but now, you know, they're revamping their team. They shipped Tyrod Taylor off to Cleveland. Um, so kind of, you know, assess uh, what they're kind of doing as they're, you know, another one of these teams that are trying to rebuild but be competitive at the same time. I like to call them Carolina North in the sense because they have a lot of uh, Panther influences there. Uh, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, a few other players that have been plucked from the Panthers. So they're trying to build that Carolina North culture, but it's going to be hard right now. Your top quarterback currently at the moment is Nathan Peterman, who did not have a really good debut in the – earlier the season. So it's going to be just interesting to see from their perspective if they can uh, get to the promised land again. Uh, I think ending that long playoff drought being the last team to clinch a playoff spot in the century is something to be as a good accomplishment, but they're looking for more. And right now with the way the current roster is, I mean, AJ McCarron, will probably likely be the starter since they did acquire him from the Bengals. Uh, They do have uh, Chris Ivory, LaShawn McCoy, and and, uh, if Calvin Benjamin can be a factor, they might might have something there. But uh, it's going to be one of those things uh, with the Dolphins trying to uh, improve as well as the Jets. uh, Still a long way to go. The Buffalo has a chance, but... Other teams are improving in the AFC. It's going to be it's going to be a while before we see if they can be successful once again. All right, we're going to shift over to golf. As for two weeks, I was touting the Masters coming up. Looking forward to watching Tiger Woods. Uh, Sunday was his best day. Unfortunately, uh, Friday was his worst day, and those two days did not even out themselves. So Tiger finished at plus one. He finished thirty second on the leaderboard. Uh, he barely he, he made the cut within one shot on Friday as things kind of went sideways for him. Um, he finished the uh, opening round at one over, which isn't bad. He usually that's about what he shoots, you know, normally uh, at the Masters. But you know that second day, that third day, you know, he usually turns it up, turns it on, and you know, kind of gets a good lead. And then Sunday he would usually coast home, but Friday he really kind of blew up a little bit. Saturday he was even par, and then Sunday he went low. Uh, he went four under to finish at plus one. So good for Tiger there. Uh, Patrick Reed actually won the Masters. He went one at 15 under. Ricky Fowler, he outdueled Ricky Fowler, came in at 14 under. Um, Sundays at the Masters are really fun, especially when guys start making a charge. They may be four or five shots back, and the pressure gets to the leader, and that guy who's making a charge is, you know, feels that leader feeling the pressure, and he starts coming on. That's kind of what we had, but Patrick Reed made enough shots coming down the stretch, and you know, Ricky Fowler comes up short one more time. 
And on Friday, we had the, you know, everybody who's played golf, that's amateur, you know, saw a professional have one of their moments as Sergio Garcia hit five straight shots into the water on the 15th hole on the first day. Uh, he shot the biggest number ever at the mass. I think it was like a minus 13 or something on the hole. Uh, you know, the largest score ever for that hole at the Masters. So, yeah, Sergio Garcia had quite the amateur moment there on Thursday at the Masters. So just a little update on the Masters. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm here with my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. And you are listening to us through the CSPN Network. You can find us at www.cspn.us. All right, Dwayne, we've got 16 teams well, really, 17 teams that are playoff contention worthy for the NBA right now. We would like to sit here and tell you we have these matchups all figured out, but there's still a couple of games left in a regular season, so there's going to be some fluctuations here and there of who's playing who and who's going to be playing where and what seat. So what we're going to do, though, is we're going to talk about a little bit about each of the 16 teams or in this case, like I said, 17 teams, because we can't count out the Denver Nuggets in the West as they could be a team that sneaks into the playoffs. So we're going to get this thing started off with the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, the Toronto Raptors. Now, Dwayne has been stated on this show many times by you that they are the team that must prove it to you the most. Their track record in the playoffs hasn't been that good when it comes to having a really good team and performing up to the expectations in set playoffs. So, Dwayne, what makes you think that this year's Toronto Raptors will end up being more of the same and possibly, if the matchup becomes, you know, the wrong one for Toronto, end up on the wrong side of a 1-8 matchup? That's a good question. So, I think it boils down to who will be the A-seed. If it's an A-seed like the Wizards or... Miami or even Milwaukee. I don't think Milwaukee will drop that far, but there's a possibility it was Washington and Miami. And the the way each team can play between Washington and Miami, they have the ability to steal one in Toronto. And Toronto does have the home court in the East. They got the number one seed. They've had a great regular season. But a lot of times... It's been documented by a lot of the people how Kyle Lowry seems to fade away sometimes in the postseason when the lights are on bright, and and so if they can if they get a one eight matchup that's not favorable because of poor shooting, lack of composure, things like that, it can be a disaster for uh, Jurassic Park. And it could be a disaster for the Raptors, and you know they're they're a vulnerable one seed. I I think uh, a lot of teams in the East, if they don't get out of the first round, they may not even see the second round because they may get a matchup that features Cleveland, Indiana, or Philadelphia. All three of them are very very good and can easily match up. And of course, Cleveland has LeBron James. And so my thing is with the Raptors, are they, do they have enough pieces? Do they have enough guys who have enough experience to come through when the lights are bright? And history has said no. We may see something differently, but if they get, I think if they get the Wizards, we might see a 8 over 1, Washington over Toronto. Maybe see it. Maybe you see it with Miami because they do have, for some reason, the ageless wonder Dwayne Wade on their team and a lot of complimentary young guys as well. Right. Yeah. Toronto's definitely the team with the most to prove in the first round. They got to definitely get out of it because a lot of people, like you say, just think they're vulnerable. I don't think personally they have enough three point shooting, consistent three point shooting. They're a good offensive rebounding team. So that makes up for, you know, and you know, not being able to make a lot of threes. They can go get them when they miss them. Uh, they get out and transition pretty well, so they can get a lot of, you know, easy buckets that way. But these are the playoffs, and we know that things, you know, tend to slow down. And DeRozan and Lowry, though they are pretty good players, they don't get those, you know, fourth quarter calls that you see some other players get 
with reputations in the league. So that also is a big factor when it comes to playoff time, when the games get close and the games get tight. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think they're very vulnerable. Um, so, you know, anything can happen. Like you said, if they get the wrong matchup, I think the Wizards, you know, John Wall is rounding himself back into playing for him. You know, he missed the last two months of the season. Um, so if they can kind of get him back in a fold and, and they can kind of work out their team issues, you know, yeah, that could be a, a deadly matchup for Toronto in this sense, because, you know, they know each other very well and um, they've all, you know, played in the playoffs uh, in the past couple of years. So there won't be any secrets or any tricks between the two teams. So that'll be something to definitely look out for who is in the bottom of the Eastern conference. We'll move on to your beloved Boston Celtics, Dwayne as they suffered the bad news this week or last week, rather that uh, Kyrie Irving will need another surgery on his knee. And that will basically make him ineligible for the rest of the season and the playoffs. Um, You know, Boston's dealt with injury all season from the first game with Gordon Hayward going down. Um, They had their, you know, top lineup for all of about two minutes all season. And now they're going to, you know, lose their prize free agent. Uh, going into the playoffs. So let's talk about the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens considered to be, you know, the best, maybe pure X and O coach in the league. Um, what is he going to have to do? What does he have in his bag of tricks to get Boston through this Eastern Conference this season without his two big guns? Ew. Since he doesn't have two of his big guns, he's going to have to really rely on Al Horford, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, who has really become a big player since his, since Kyrie has been hurt. Uh, you also have to look at the the young guns, too, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, uh, two guys who are supposed to have been um, not even being able to coexist but have gelled really well together, uh, both for the number three picks um, last year and this year, respectively, and both have – played very well. So the Celtics have also added um, players off the bench. Greg Monroe, uh, he recently had a triple-double. And even guys from the D-League as well. I mean, they got some nice calls from Maine and Shane Larkin, Jabari Bird, uh, Jonathan Gibson, who signed recently from China. So these guys are really able to work with Brad Stevens. They they are playing uh, surprisingly well, much better than many of many of us have anticipated. But with the playoffs now, a whole different monster. It's gonna be interesting to see how well the Celtics can can uh continue to keep this up, but without the dynamics of Kyrie and of course you never had Gordon Hayward longer than a few minutes. It's been a Big setback. I think a lot of people thought Boston would be the team to come out the East this year had it not been for all these injuries. But you never know what can happen uh, as long as Brad Stevens is coaching. But it's going to be a tough, tough road for Boston. I think they get out the first round, but they are out the second. All right. Next, we'll go to the hottest team in the NBA. At the time that we're recording this, the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Ben Simmons is putting up a triple double during their long winning streak. They had an epic uh, last Friday night against the uh, Cavaliers where they had the Cavaliers down by 30. King James put the Cavs on his back, almost got him a win, but uh, came up just short. LeBron had a 44 point triple double. Ben Simmons also did work. He had like a 27 point triple double. So let's talk about the 76ers. They're young. They're athletic. They're probably not supposed to be this good this soon. And a lot of people are looking at them as the team to possibly come out of the Eastern Conference because, you know, this is not a typical year in the East. LeBron hasn't had his, you know, dominant as far as, you know, his team wise year being able to lift them up after the all-star break to get them, you know, to where they need to be. So talk about the 76ers. People are getting behind the process fully now. They understand, you know, it took them a while to finally get to this point, but now they're here. They're the hottest team going into the playoffs. Um, and just what do you see for them, you know, getting into the playoffs and, and, and navigating, you know, the waters that is the Eastern Conference? I like the 76ers a lot. And not only Ben Simmons is no doubt the rookie of the year, 
Brett Brown as the coach of the year, I think, as well. And give it, and I said this earlier today, you got to give the Sixers ownership and you got to give the Colangelos a lot of credit. They could have fired Brett Brown in in, uh, 2015 when, 2016, when this team went 10 and 72 a couple years ago, but they decided to stick with it, stick with the process that's already been instituted and it has paid huge dividends for this team and they're peaking at the right time. And so uh, now you have, you have a team that can really do some damage in the East as a possible third seed. If they win, if they win out, there'll be 16 straight wins and, and a three seed in the East. So not only do they avoid LeBron and company until the, possible Eastern Conference Finals, and they do have a chance to get to the NBA Finals. They have a great shot as much as anybody. My only concern is with them is the youth of this team. I mean, they're still a young they're still a young team. They do have a lot of veteran presence now, more veteran presence than they do have. Uh, Brett Brown does have playoff experience. He's been to the playoffs as an assistant with the Spurs. He's won four championships with the Spurs, so so there's there's that going for him, but uh, considering how Philadelphia's been the championship location with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl and Villanova winning the national title, uh, why not the Sixers? Why not? Yeah, there's a lot of momentum. You know, the bandwagon is starting to you know get some people on it. So. You never know, man. If um, you know things work right, injuries. You know, Embiid comes back. He's getting this break. You know, from the orbital fracture. You know, he'll be fresh going into the playoffs. You know, he'll have his legs underneath him, hopefully, and you know, kind of you know rejuvenated going into the playoff run. You know, big things could be on the horizon for the 76ers. Next, that brings us to the presumed number four seed, as the Cleveland Cavaliers are headed into the playoffs with. LeBron putting up, you know, outstanding numbers. Now, see, this is what I don't like. Everybody's like, oh, he's doing this in his 15th year. Technically, this is true. Before a man who started playing in the NBA when he's 18, he's 33. That's about Michael Jordan's prime. Nobody was saying that when Michael Jordan was 33 and he was putting up, you know, his MVP numbers. They were just like, oh, yeah, he's in his prime. He's in his eighth year. This is about what he should be doing. So, you know, that kind of irks me when people say that. The number of years is you know, not that relevant to me when you start playing in the NBA at 18, you know, Michael Jordan at this point had only been a pro for eight years, but anyway, get back into the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, you know, a team that's been injured uh, big time. Uh, they had a whole remake uh, right before the tread deadline. You know, they, they got some guys IT out and a bunch of other guys out, added some young fresh legs in. Then of course they get some more injuries right after that. So they really haven't had a chance to, you know, be fully operational with their new parts and pieces. It looks like in the playoffs that that will be the case, that they will be able to come in whole. Can LeBron, this will be the hardest run he's had to make in a while from the fourth seed. Um, is it going to be too much to try to carry this particular team through these, these Eastern Conference playoffs? Before the Kyrie injury, I would have said this would be a tough run. And even with the Sixers on their winning streak, it still will be a tough run because I see a four and a three in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, Cleveland and Philadelphia, and we saw what Cleveland did when these uh, when this unit first started playing together. Mm-hmm. They were a well they they played like they were playing for years, and so you know before the injuries happened. It was looking like Cleveland could make a whole bunch of noise once again. And with everybody coming back at the perfect time, this could be something that is needed. Now, LeBron's never been out the first round. I easily see that happening, that they move on. And then we can say that with the Toronto Raptors there, we know what LeBron has done to them in the past history repeats itself there. Now, this would be tough because we, if we went based off the the game they recently played, which is pretty close to the postseason, 
could the Sixers would have home court? You know, all Cleveland would need to do is take one in Philadelphia, maybe two. I think it can be done. I think Cleveland does have a a better path. I won't say an easier path, but they have a better path to the finals because Kyrie's out. The Sixers are young. The Raptors have improved themselves. And who knows, they may not even get out the first round if we, depending on who they play. So it's going to be a very interesting postseason in the Eastern Conference because it could be paved for LeBron to return to the finals, which would be good for the NBA ratings-wise. But it could be a roadblock in the form of the 76ers if they could get over that youth factor. All right. Next up. The fifth seed may be the Indiana Pacers. Now, this is a team that's been surprising from, you know, the beginning of the season. They went on a nice little winning streak, and they've kind of maintained, and, you know, they've been right there with Cleveland uh, all season uh, in that division as well. So what do you see, you know, for the Pacers? You know, a young team that a lot of people don't know anything about, um, but, you know, they're a good team. They play up-tempo. They put up a lot of points. They like to play exciting basketball, get up and down, shoot a lot of threes. So just talk about uh, Indiana and, uh, you know, could they be, you know, a young team that nobody's really seen a lot of that could shock and, you know, go on a nice little run in this playoffs? Now, with the Pacers, you got a Coach of the Year candidate, Nate McMillan, and nobody's talked about that. Nate McMillan has done one heck of a job as a coach of the Pacers uh, right now. Uh, they are in the fifth seed. They are uh, they have the most improved player in the NBA, Victor Oladipo. They have a big man in Miles Turner. Uh, Lance Stevenson is back in a comfort zone because Indiana's his comfort zone. We saw what happened when he left Indiana. He didn't have a Good time in Charlotte. He didn't have a not-so-hot time in in L.A. with the Clippers. He goes back to Indiana, and he is doing what made him a key player uh, with the Pacers here. Now, now with the one game left, oh, yeah, how can you forget DeMontis Sabonis? I mean, this kid is, at one point, he had a, he had a uh, double-double. Uh, with the against the Hornets, and he he's a double double machine. He can get uh, anywhere from twelve and ten on a nightly basis, if possible. And so, it's gonna be a very very good season for the Pacers. Well, it's good postseason. I think they can compete with Cleveland. They have beat Cleveland twice, but one the one of them was with the new version. One was with the old version. They can give Cleveland a good run for the money, but I just don't. I mean, like I said, we haven't seen LeBron lose in the first round, and if Cleveland's a likely matchup, then then the Pacers uh, will be out. But if they draw Philadelphia, if the Sixers somehow lose one of the final two games or both games, then we might have a different narrative here, and we could be seeing two young teams going at it. And I would hope for a seven-game series if that does go down. All right. Next, we'll talk about the Greek Freak and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, They had a coaching change as Jason Kidd got fired midway through the season. They were on the outside of the playoffs, but they've, you know, stabilized themselves, got themselves back into a comfortable spot here. It looks like they're going to be sixth. It looks like a possible matchup with the 76ers as things stand right now. So, they got Bledsoe, um, you know, Middleton has kind of improved uh, their outside shooting. You know, we talked about last year when they made a playoff run, how they had that, you know, just that uh, front court that was just, you know, all long guys and their defense was exceptional. But you could if you could make them, you know, shoot the three, you could probably end up beating them. That's what Toronto did this year. They've kind of changed their look a little bit. Got some guys on the wing who are a little bit better at shooting. Do you think they've made enough improvements? in the shooting department uh, as far as three-point shooting that Milwaukee can make it through more than just one round of the playoffs this year? Well, it does look like the Bucks are better at three-point shooting. They acquired Eric Bledsoe. Um, give Joe Pronti a lot of credit. He's the guy that took over for Jason Kidd on an interim basis when, when um, Kidd got fired. And he has ended up becoming a real good 
um, addition for this team. And now we want to say when um, when the Bucks now at first it was a locker room divided. I mean, Jason Kidd. There's a lot of chemistry issues, but everything has seemed to stabilize. And now what Milwaukee will need to do is try to be the team to outshoot Philadelphia if they get if they draw Philadelphia. They need to out they need to outshoot Philadelphia. They need to make those shots. They need to be athletic. I think Simmons and um Atentacumpo will be one heck of a matchup if these two draw. Uh that's another seven game series I would like to see. And that's one of those kind of like some of the play forever like uh, you hear if the rest of it reads fight forever like I would love to see these two go the full distance um, now with the weaknesses um, you know they still don't have that interior presence I mean they play they can spread them out but there's not as much interior presence as there should be um, but it's something that will it's something that um they affect him in the rebounding rebounding game, and it looks like the Bradley Center gets a little bit of life for a few more days before they close it out. So, um, Milwaukee, I see a first round exit out of them, um, depending on who they draw between Cleveland and Philadelphia. Either way, I think if they draw Philadelphia, we may get a longer, a prolonged exit, but an exit nonetheless. All right. Now we switch over to the Miami Heat. They got Dwayne Wade when Cleveland uh, made their fire sale. So Dwayne Wade came back to the 305 to, you know, pair back up with Dragic's white side. He's been, you know, disgruntled this season, but, you know, he's still out there trying to make it work best he can. Wayne Ellington, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, comes off the bench for them. Uh, uh, Justice Winslow has kind of, you know, developed into a good small forward, dependable. You know, we always knew his defense would be, you know, his calling card, but now he's starting to put his offensive game together. So talk about, you know, what's going on down there in Miami. You know, Eric Spolster, one of the best coaches that never gets any love. You know, again, the Heat started out dismal. And somehow, some way, they find themselves back in the playoffs again. Yeah, they did, and yeah, they took advantage of a very disappointing Hornets team and a very underachieving Washington Wizards squad, and and of course, being encouraged by the homecoming of uh, Dwayne Wade and the the resuming of uh, Wade County, and so Miami was able to. Um, get into the playoffs like that. I mean, this Southeast division was pretty, pretty awful this year. I mean, we look at the Hawks, the magic who are non-factors this season, uh, the Hornets, probably the biggest disappointment of the season. And like I said, Washington underachieved a lot. And, and so now Miami, it's going to be really difficult to see the Southeast division champion as a seventh seed or succeed, depending on where they land. But um, I think they could possibly have the chance to up in the Boston Celtics because the Celtics don't have Kyrie Irving, or they take it pretty far and they deep into the first round. But uh, Or if they play Toronto, they have a chance to knock off the Raptors. So this isn't a, your typical seven-seed or possible AC that will just roll over and get swept. This is a team that could make some noise, at least into the second round. All right. And the final team in the Eastern Conference appears to be the Washington Wizards, as they will make up the last team in the Eastern Conference playoffs this year. Like we said earlier, John Wall's coming back from injury. Um, this team has had a lot of, you know, infighting chemistry issues, you know, playing out in the press. Um, you know, Scott Brooks has not really been known for his coaching acumen as far as the X and O's, as far as putting together an offensive juggernaut. So with that being said, can the Wizards still overcome that? And if they become the AFC, overcome Toronto Raptors as well? Well, they got two games in hand, so they can still get the seventh seed. And we can see uh, Morris Twin series between the Celtics and Wizards, which I wouldn't mind seeing as a Jayhawk fan. So it um, be good to see the Twins go at it. Um, 
but if we do see a one and eight between the Wizards and Raptors, this is a team that if they can get over themselves and actually not underachieve, this is a team that could uh, make some noise in the first round. And they have familiarity with Toronto, as we alluded to earlier, and it can be done. It's possible that the Wizards could upset the Raptors, and it's also possible that the Wizards could take out the Celtics. Uh, so uh, they do have a good chance for an upset special, but they're going to have to get over themselves and play good basketball in order to do it. Yeah, the Wizards are going to have to get a lot from their three-point shooting, namely Otto Porter, and their energy guys off the bench. Uh, you know, they're definitely uh, deficient when it comes to their inside play. They don't really get much from Gortat. You know, he's just a body. Um, you know, he, he sometimes he has a good rebounding game, but, you know, he's not really a, that big of a scorer. He's not that big of a, you know, shot blocker on defense anymore. It's, he's gotten a lot older. So they really have a disadvantage against teams who play through the middle or like to drive into the paint. So they're going to try to have to offset that with some really good three-point shooting. So that means that Bill and Beal and Otto Porter are going to have to really show up uh, throughout these playoffs to kind of, you know, feed off a wall, being able to penetrate and get them open looks and knock them down uh, for them to really do any damage, I think, just because they're they're so deficient in the middle, defense and offensive-wise. So, uh, you know, those are my thoughts on the Wizards. So it's going to be tough for them to – to get past, I, you know, I think because they're, they have familiarity with the Raptors, you know, that's a good matchup for them. But I, I don't think that they could beat Boston, even with a depleted Celtics team. I think Boston would still be able to team basketball them, out-team basketball them, you know, because I think in the end, the Wizards are going to resort back to playing individual ball when it gets tight. So we just want to let everybody know that Know the Score is being brought to you by Amazon. Please visit CSPN.us. Then click on the menu tab, scroll down to where it says keep the podcast free, then click on Amazon do your shopping as you normally would. And some of your purchase comes back to CSPN to keep another score free each and every week. So please, CSPN.us through Amazon and Amazon.com. Do it today. So we're going to move over to the Western Conference playoffs where we're going to actually start with the team that's on the outside looking in the Denver Nuggets. They're currently the ninth team, and any any win or loss, they could be in the playoffs as high as maybe the sixth seed. And any loss, they could be you know out of the playoffs. They got one more head to head game with the Timberwolves. That's basically like the you know winner your end game, and then the shuffling can start from there with the rest of the seeding. So let's talk about Denver. They got this basically this one game for it all against Minnesota. Do you think that Denver can overcome Minnesota and return to the playoffs? Absolutely. I mean, you have one of the best centers in the game in in Jokic. I mean, this guy has nine triple-doubles on the season. He can shoot the three. He can rebound. He can score in the paint. He can distribute the ball. And, yes, I mean, give a shout-out to the Northwest Division, though. Every team – will at least be 10 games above 500 for the season. And so, so yeah, they have, they have um, a lot to, um, they have a lot to uh, play for. They've won six in a row and they have played, they played um, very well. Um, Yusef Nurkic um, as well. Will Barton, Devin Harris, these guys are, and Jamal Murray, I forgot about Jamal Murray. These are all guys to watch out for. These are definitely guys that not only can play very well, they also they also have uh, the Rockets number too. So, um, and so this is a team that can match up with the Rockets. I know a few Rockets fans that are actually fearful of the Nuggets because they can match up with them very well, and so. Yes, Denver does have what it takes to get into the postseason. It's just going to be a matter of actually doing it. And keep in mind, uh, Denver did beat Minnesota 100-96 in Denver uh, just on the 5th of April, so last Thursday. So six days later, these two play again. It's time in Minneapolis uh, for the winner take all. And 
rolling six straight wins. They try to make it seven. It's possible they could do it. All right. Yeah, we're going to go in reverse order in the West because it's so jumbled up near the bottom. So, Minnesota Timberwolves currently are holding down this A-seed. They've overcome the injury to Jimmy Butler. They've reacquired Derrick Rose. Um, Carl Anthony Towns continues to you know improve and just get better each and every year. So talk about Minnesota. You know they um, you know took a big chance of getting Butler to go with the young guys. Uh, made a trade you know in the offseason and you know uh, improved their team greatly. So the Wolves currently are the eighth seed. What do you think about their prospects for their playoff run? Well, they have a chance to also match up well with the Rockets, too, if Jimmy Butler can come back healthy. Um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is a monster. Andrew Wiggins is a good complimentary player to him. And these guys are still in the eighth spot. So they they have the advantage because they're in the eighth spot right now. They have the game at home in hand. They can do it. If they do go in, of course, I think they will be ecstatic because they will end the longest NBA playoff drought, which they haven't made to the NBA playoffs since 2004. So it's been a very long time, almost um, 14 years since their last playoff appearance. Uh, We've already seen the NFL's longest playoff drought end with the Bills. We could see that again with the... Timberwolves in the NBA. Um, do I think that they can do it? Absolutely. Um, I think they give the Rockets a competitive run, but I think the Rockets prevail in the first round. And I just think that they just need to have everything go right for them against a red hot Nuggets team. And they haven't, the Timberwolves haven't been as consistent as the Nuggets. So that's where. That's going to have to be a change of action for this team. All right. Next up, the Oklahoma City Thunder, currently in the seventh spot. Um, you know, they've acquired their big three in the offseason. They got Paul George, they got Carmelo Anthony. Um, Russell Westbrook is maybe on the verge of going back to back seasons with a triple double. Um, but the season overall was disappointing as they're coming in in the seventh slot. So, you know, talk about, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Are they a team that was built more for the playoffs than the regular season? And this is the time that they really show how deadly they are. I think they were built for the playoffs and not for the regular season. Um, I mean, Carmelo Anthony is ecstatic about being in the playoffs. He said he doesn't have to worry about playing the vacation early. Um, So I think this is where we could probably see the hoodie version of Melo in the playoffs, a playoff mellow. Um, Paul George, uh, as long as Paul George isn't thinking about Los Angeles, because I think that's what he wants to go in free agency, but we'll uh, cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but I think a deep playoff run may change all that uh, for both of those guys with Russell Westbrook. Uh, this team is not only was built for the playoffs, they have the chance to get under the skin of the Golden State Warriors. I would love for Oklahoma City to stay in the seventh seed so they can have that matchup with the Warriors. They've had the Warriors over the season. They've had the Rockets over the season. They've had the Trailblazers over the season. So those top three teams of the West, Oklahoma City has beat them, and they beat them. They've had the best. I think they've had the best record against them. I forgot what the numbers actually are, but they can beat – those top teams in the West are capable of doing it. Uh, we even just saw it just tonight when, uh, when they beat the Rockets to get into the playoffs. So Oklahoma City, they're built for the playoffs. They may get higher. They may get lower. We'll just have to see where they go in this first round as well. All right. Next up, the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs are definitely in an opposition for them. Uh, they would currently be in the sixth position as we're used to them being, you know, one of the top four teams or, you know, most of the time top three seats uh, in the Western Conference. But this has been a strange year in all accounts for San Antonio with, you know, the quiet uh, Leonard injury, uh, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, is he in, is he out? Are they going to trade him or is he going to stick and stay? Uh, you know, Tony Parker, you know, kind of 
handing over the reins, being more, you know, come off the bench, you know, with Manu Ginobili now. So, you know, the Spurs are kind of in transition, um, you know, playing a lot more young guys than we've seen in the past. Uh, what can Pop stir up off the bench, man, in this playoff season to maybe uh, upset? It looks like they're going to be playing Portland as of right now. But as they say in wrestling, car is subject to change. Right, exactly. Car definitely subject to change. And uh, let's just say if they do end up uh, playing Portland, they would need a defensive stopper to work on Damian Lillard and or CJ McCollum. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has been engaged little late, so if they could keep LaMarcus Aldridge engaged and he shows that he is in with this team, then the Spurs will be just fine. If LaMarcus Aldridge is checking out and he looking like he does not want to be on the court with these guys, then the Spurs are pretty much doomed. I don't see the I don't see them getting past the first round though. I just there's just a lot that they had to overcome anyway. I mean, if anybody could do it, it is the San Antonio Spurs, but for me, I just can't see it happening. Um, Dave Lillard is playing very well, and also, well, it's card subject to change, but uh, we'll just have to see how, if uh, Tony Parker can turn back the clock for a few games, as well as Manny Ginobili, who's been more capable of doing that than uh, Tony Parker, but it's one of those things we'll just have to wait to see. All right. At the number five seat currently, we have the New Orleans Pelicans. It looks like at the brow, Anthony Davis is going to make his first Warrior into the playoffs this year. Uh, he has really excelled uh, ever since Boogie Cousins went down, unfortunately, with that Achilles tear. He's, uh, you know, basically put the team on his back. Uh, him and Rondo have had some really good chemistry together. Rondo, you know, being that, you know, ultimate point guard. Um, uh, Holiday coming back and being able to play a full season has definitely improved them as well. So just talk about the Pelicans. Uh, you know, like I said last week, um, this will be the first time the country will probably really get a chance to really see Anthony Davis, you know, for more than just a, you know, one off. They'll get, you know, a few nights in a row of watching them play. So just talk about the Pelicans uh, making it to the playoffs for the first time and your expectations for them. I expect good things from the Pelicans. Heck, they actually play the Spurs um, tomorrow night for the higher seeding. So, I mean, both teams are locked at 47 and 34. So, the winner will likely get a higher seed. The loser gets a lower seed. And so I like the fact that Anthony Davis has put the team on his back since DeMarcus Cousins went down. I think they were probably one of those wild card teams in the West. And I think they get to the second round and maybe even the Western Conference Finals if depending on the matchups, who else is playing. So... Um, this is a team that wasn't expected to do much of anything, um, but they have really, especially at their cousins went down, but you, they really rallied together. Like you said, Rondo and, and uh, Anthony Davis have a great chemistry. They developed it, and the country's going to see how good this team really is and, and um, what they can do moving forward. All right, next up. The Utah Jazz, uh, another one of those teams in the Midwest Division, the way that you were talking about, finished uh, 10 games or more over uh, 500. Uh, they lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason, but they still ended up in the same spot that they did last year, winners of the Midwest Division. So, you know, Rudy Gobert, uh, they've got the, you know, uh, dynamic rookie Donovan Mitchell out there. They play really good team basketball. I love uh, Quinn Steiner's offense. It's, you know, move, motion, you know, everybody share the ball, touch the ball type of offense. So talk about Utah. You know, nobody pays attention to them because they're way out there in that mountain time zone. And as Bomani says, if you want to do something and not, not have anybody see it, just do it in the western time zone, mountain time zone. And uh, that's basically <laughs> explains the Utah Jazz. Pretty much. Bo's right about that. And, and the... Utah Jazz have done a lot of great things. They are a fun team to watch. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I think he finally got over the hurt of losing Gordon Hayward, and he's finally focused on being healthy and playing basketball. And so uh, this team's in the playoffs. This team has been doing very well. Um, and I think with the with – the, um, 
coaching of Quinn Snyder, another guy. Like, there's many guys who could be um, head coach, uh, coach of the year candidates this season. I mean, Brad Stevens, Brett Brown, Nate McMillan in the East. I mean, you can even give Eric Spolster. I mean, Miami was going nowhere, and he got him in the playoffs. And then out West, you got you got Thibodeau with the turnaround in Minnesota. You got Michael Malone with his turnaround in Denver. Uh, you have Quinn Snyder in Utah. So, and even Terry Stotts in Portland. So, and of course, you can't forget about Steve Kerr and Mike D'Antoni. So, there's a lot of guys. And Dwayne Casey in Toronto. Can't forget about the job he's done in Toronto in the East. So, many, many guys <laughs> worthy of coach of the year. Um, you can even throw LeBron in there in Cleveland. I mean, you even said I'm the extension of the coach. So, Coach LeBron, too. Um, many candidates for that award, and it does boil down to great coaching. Uh, the last couple seasons, Quinn Snyder has been um, very, very good at his job and getting the Jazz into the playoffs. And now they they want to go further. They need to go further, maybe a second round, uh, depending on who they play, and just have to see where, again, it's just boils down to the matchups, seeing where they go and who they play from there. All right. Now, the hottest team in the Western Conference, the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, we talked about them last week as, you know, uh, they had gotten themselves, looks like, firmly here in the third seed. We're talking about the combination of Damian Lillard and um, CJ McCollum. Um, you know, they're very formidable. They've had some good playoff showings, but they haven't been able to get past the round, first round. So, What's going to be different this year, um, you know, they've got a little bit more inside presence uh, scoring-wise than they've had in the past. They've been kind of just getting by with big men, but now they actually got a star uh, as, as a big man to go along with these two guards. Is this year going to be different for Portland? Yeah, this year can be different for Portland, but Portland is going to have to turn it around and turn it around pretty quickly because they have lost the last four games, including the loss of the Mavericks and – they have a Northwest Division championship date with the Utah Jazz because the Jazz haven't won it just yet. The Jazz are a half game out for that Northwest title, and the Trailblazers are a half game ahead. So Utah could even be the third seed in the in the Western Conference. That's how jumbled up and how how fuzzy this playoff picture is, and it's really literally coming down to the last season as we record this. So. Um, Portland has uh, cooled off a bit. They were one of the hottest teams in the West in the NBA. Uh, they've cooled off a little bit, but uh, if they can get it, if they can get back on track, uh, they can do uh, great things when they're on. Uh, their three-point shooting is always good. They're, they're uh, not only you got Lillard and McCollum, Myers Leonard on the inside, uh, and a few other players as well, so... But it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, if especially if they lose. I mean, if they lose uh, that division lead and and uh, the division title, how will that mess with their psyche going into the postseason, especially losing five in a row? All right. Next up, the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Golden State Warriors are in a position that we really haven't seen them in coming to the playoffs uh, since this run has began as – they're leaking oil bad. Uh, I think they've lost like three or four in a row. Uh, they got blown out. And uh, I forgot who they got blown out by, like 20-something. And Steve Kerr was just like, this is not acceptable. Uh, the Pelicans the came. Pacers. Yeah, the Pacers. That's right. The Pelicans came in and took one from them on their home court as well over the weekend. So they're really limping uh, heading into the playoffs right now. They won't have Steph for the first round for sure. Uh, and maybe not the second round, depending on how the evaluation goes. I think he's got another. I think he's going to get evaluated during the week of the play, the first round of playoffs. So after Sunday, sometime he's going to get reevaluated here again. So um, Golden State, uh, they're very vulnerable, or so it seems this year. And could they be on the wrong side of an upset, especially if Oklahoma City is the team that locks down that seven seed? Yeah, Golden State. This is the most vulnerable of their uh, playoff run during this uh, Splash Brothers era, Steve Kerr era. And even Steve Kerr said this is the deepest playoff field he's seen in a long time. So even he's aware of the fact that 
you know, nothing's a guarantee. They're not a shoe-in to win the West like they have been the last three years. And and uh, this is some, one of those things where are the Warriors tired or are they are they just because, uh, you know, making these deep playoff runs and, you know, you got two championships out of it and you want a third one, but it's always it's always harder to go through because you keep having that same what's the word the same um success yeah, but now you got a lot of guys hurt or on the mend from their injuries so there's going to be rust there injury rust um and Steph Curry will be evaluated for a little bit um so if they do get Oklahoma City watch out this could be an upset special I mean just think about the, the storylines there and uh, going how loud that Oklahoma City crowd will be, especially with uh, Kevin Durant coming back. And that's not going to be pretty. So uh, Golden State, they're in, they are in a vulnerable state. They have the tools to get to the finals and defend their crown. Just going to see how that goes and and uh, where they end up or. Well, they end up at two, but who they play in that first round is going to be a very telling sign. For sure. The Golden State definitely is uh, one of these teams that's going to be definitely paying attention to the bottom of the Western Conference and hope they can get a favorable matchup. I think they would want San Antonio to kind of fall back to them (laughs) uh, because, you know, they've had pretty good success against San Antonio this year. Not that same success against Oklahoma City. So if if they got to go into, you know, a playoff series down a gun. I think they would rather have to face the Spurs and have to face Oklahoma city. So that brings us to the number one team in the Western conference. The number one team in all of the NBA, the Houston Rockets. Uh, they've set sail from the very beginning of the season. They've had, you know, some multiple long winning streaks throughout the season. They've been playing very entertaining basketball, great chemistry. Uh, Chris Paul, you know, seemed lost the first, you know, handful of games, but he's figured out, you know, how this thing works. Harden, uh, you know, hadn't dropped off more than likely going to be the MVP this year. Uh, so let's talk about Houston Rockets. Finals are bust, man. It is a finals or bust kind of year in Houston. I think that's what the fans are expecting. They want a f- NBA Finals. They are expecting it. I mean, but let's also look at their coach's history in the NBA fi- in the NBA playoffs. Mike D'Antoni has not had great success. I remember those teams in Phoenix where he had the best record, but when it comes down to it, they lost uh, when it mattered most. But I think the biggest difference between um, this this Rockets team that he has and uh, teams of the past that he's had is that they play more defense than any other D'Antoni coach team that I've seen. And they have what it takes to uh, win it all. I mean, they're 64-16. and 16. They are playing great basketball. And and uh, and this is something. I mean, it, they won twenty straight at home, and they will have. Well, they won twenty straight at home before Oklahoma City stopped that last Saturday. But to have home court, you had to find a way to steal one in Houston, and that's not an easy thing to do whatsoever. So I think a lot, the mood in Houston is finals or bust. I mean, this team's already. The city's already got one championship, and they're looking for another one, just like Philadelphia is. Uh, the Astros won the World Series, and they're looking hope that the Rockets can follow suit and and uh, bring that NBA championship uh, back to Clutch City. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think the key to the Rockets this year is going to be Clint Capella. If he can stay out of foul trouble and do the Clint Capella things that he does, defensively. I think that's a big reason why uh, it looks like Houston is uh, the best D'Antoni defensive, defensive team that he's ever had. Is He's never had really a, a, a center or you know player in the middle that's this good defensively. I mean, Amari Stoudemire was undersized and he could block shots here or there, but I mean, Capella can neutralize 
you know, most of your big, uh, you know, power forwards or scoring centers. And that's a big difference that D'Antonio never really had going on in Phoenix or with the, uh, you know, Knicks when he was there too. So, and he was in the playoffs. So I think that Capella is going to be kind of the key. You kind of know what you're going to get from Chris Paul. You know what you're going to get from Harden. But if Capella can stay out of foul trouble and and impact the games um, like he has at at certain times this year, I know he had like a – 20 and 20 double double uh, uh, this season. So if he can, you know, just stay on the floor and, and be there for the defense and rebound on the defensive boards, I, I think Houston's going to make a long run in these playoffs. And, uh, you know, they may be the representative uh, for the Western Conference in the finals, especially if, you know, Golden State doesn't get healthy or they're at, you know, 80%, you know, of their team strength, you know, which is probably going to be more than likely with all the guys that got hurt at one time. I think this is, you know, the best chance for Harden to finally get back to the playoff uh, to the finals, excuse me, and try to redeem himself from his effort when he played with Oklahoma City uh, all those years ago. So, um, anything else you'd like to add, Dwayne, before we, uh, you know, wrap up the uh, NBA playoff talk? The playoffs will start on Saturday, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun couple of months getting down to the NBA finals and crowning a possible new champion yes the 40 days and 40 nights is one of the best campaigns in sports it it kind of stinks when you get to the uh, conference finals because you're so used to the two games a night three games on the weekends and then you know it just starts slowing down slowing down but these first two rounds are a lot of fun if you're an nba fan right agreed all right Dwayne. so at this point i'm going to open it up to you man so you can give your shout outs and final thoughts for this week all right, well, shout-outs to uh, you, uh, CSPN, um, Classic L, uh, J- Jesse Nabias. Um, shout-out to the WrestleCast. A great time this weekend, WrestleMania weekend, as always. And um, my final thought is the other playoffs that we didn't get a chance to touch on, but... The Stanley Cup playoffs, they start tomorrow night, uh, April 11th. Uh, you have three games on the networks of NBC. And it starts off with the Flyers and the Penguins, as well as as well as well um, you have the – give me just a moment here. Trying to get to uh, – you got the Flyers and the Penguins, the Wild – Minnesota Wild taking on the Winnipeg Jets, and then – you have finally the Los Angeles Kings taking on the expansion Vegas Golden Knights in their first season. Uh, the Golden Knights won the Pacific Division, uh, got the second seed in the NHL playoffs, and they'll be hosting their first ever playoff game Wednesday night. And then you got five games on, on Thursday, including the President's Trophy winning Nashville Predators. They play um, 8 30. Uh, the New Jersey Devils take on Tampa Bay Lightning. The Boston Bruins host the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Washington Capitals face the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the San Jose Sharks take on the Anaheim Ducks. These crowds are electric every single year. The playoff intensity is always turned up. And it's always fun to watch. I strongly encourage my lis- our listeners to uh, you know, get on board, find somebody who follows hockey and enjoy it, and you will not be disappointed. I guarantee you. Yeah, there's nothing quite like playoff hockey. Uh, nine years ago, the Carolina Panther, uh, Carolina, excuse me, Carolina Hurricanes gave me my first ever NHL playoff experience, and they haven't been able to duplicate it. So, still waiting for my second run at it. But yeah, the the <laughs> the, the playoffs in, in hockey are insane. Those people come ready to cheer from the time those doors open an hour, sometimes an hour and a half before those games. They sauced up and they're ready to be loud. Indeed, and also. Also, probably the loudest arena um, is probably uh, Nashville. Um, go to a go to a National Predators game or just watch the National Predators game. The crowd at Bridgestone Arena is always loud. Um, doing the games over the past couple of seasons, including this season, uh, as they made the Stanley Cup playoff run, it was insane. So, looking forward to it again. All right. 
My shout out will be to my co-host, Dwayne, and our other co-hosts, Jesse and Nabias. Also give a shout out to the chairman of the CSPN, Mr. Jamal. Give a shout out to all the podcasters and the podcasts here on the network. Thank you guys for all the hard work you put in. And Dwayne, it's very interesting that you shouted out the WrestleCast because my final thought is going to be about its cousin in the UFC and Conor McGregor and his antics on Friday. Uh, Conor got stripped of his titles and of course he did not take that very well. Uh, one of his guys was going to be in one of the big fights in this past UFC in New York. So Conor basically crashed the set, caused havoc, uh, basically uh, got arrested for throwing a trash can into uh, um, a shuttle bus and breaking the glass and injuring one of the uh, fighters who was going to compete uh, that weekend. Uh, he got like pieces of glass in his eye and cut and things like that. So, you know, basically they, in the wrestling business, they would call that shot and angle, which means to get people talking. And it definitely on Friday was the biggest news as Connor did get arrested. Uh, there was a warrant out for his arrest. Dana White came out, said his plane was grounded. He wasn't going to be able to leave New York. And uh, so, you know, he did post a bail and everything. So, We'll see what happens next, but, you know, it was a lot of pro wrestling involved in this. And UFC does pro wrestling at this point as far as getting people talking about what's going on and how they get people talking about what's going on a lot better than pro wrestling does these days. So, you know, I can't wait to see what the angle is for Connor. Um, is this kind of like the first, uh, you know, little foyer into maybe a rematch with with Mayweather or, you know, is he going to move up to a different weight class or move into um, Bellator or different, you know, version of UFC, you know, ultimate fighting, not UFC, but MMA, excuse me. So yeah, can't wait to see what Connor's next move is after this little stunt. So (laughs) Oh, you got anything to add? Uh, Yeah. um, The whole kind of thing that was, Quite insane, um, you know. I guess he was really fed up, and also saw that um, Floyd Mayweather said if he ever does return to the ring, it would be in UFC, which would be very interesting. Maybe there's a return bout with Connor. I don't know. Now that's just Floyd out there trying to get his Twitter numbers up, man. <laughs> probably, probably, and also just to go back, I would say probably if you're a casual hockey fan, probably if you want to watch the probably the three series, I would recommend to watch um, and ESPN. I got it from ESPN too. Uh, watch Boston versus Toronto. Watch Vegas and Los Angeles, and watch Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Those will probably be the three series to check out because of the intensity, especially Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Um, those are two cities on the, in the same state, and the fans of those teams absolutely loathe each other. So definitely check that out. All right. And so on that note, for my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score. <laughs>